Welcome, everybody. This is another episode of Studio 6 Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hill, and we have a special co-host tonight, Josh Hughes. Hello. Yes, yes, yes. I was uh, I was here as a guest a couple months ago, and uh, you loved me so much, you brought me on to be a co-host yes, today. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I did, too. We have a fantastic show today, actually. Um, we have Barry Fitzgerald on today. So... Um, let me tell you a little bit about Barry. Barry, um, Irish born, 30 years experience in the paranormal field, um, has taken himself to new levels of intrigue and mystery. Uh, Barry also appeared on all 56 episodes of the Ghost Hunters International. He headed a team on uh, the Sci-Fi Network. Um, he's ex um, explored you know, the paranormal and supernatural phenomena all around the globe. Um, his uh, natural progression led him to writing, publishing books. Subjects within the field and research such as the complete approach, the influence, uh, my home is haunted now what, and the myths of gods. Banshee is the one that I started to read, which is pretty good. And uh, search um, for city, a series of investigative stories into Earth mythology and folklore called Legend Seekers. So, without further ado, let's get Barry on and. Get going with this show. Hi, Barry. Jay, how are you? Thanks for having me on. It's it's my pleasure. Uh, I like I said, um, I'm a big fan. Um, I love your work. Um, I've started reading a little bit of uh, the Banshee. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, when they have it on on uh, um, Audible, where I can listen to you mm. talk, you know, read your book, that to me is. It, it, just, it makes it easier. I love reading, but, you know, audiobooks are kind of the where it's at. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and uh, I find whenever I'm out hiking or whatever I'm doing uh, that I can stick in the earbuds and uh, and listen um, and, and not concentrate on the grueling exercise I'm being forced to do. Instead, listen to the words and escape. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, um yeah, you've been in the field for such a long time. Um, I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit of what got what's what was from the very beginning. What got you started in in this, and were there pivotal moments um, in the beginning of when you were interested in the paranormal, and were there some things that uh, happened that really kind of led you into this? Um. I, I tend to find that that this is an answer which is very similar to the majority of people who get involved with the field, and the answer would be yes. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, whenever I was young, around four years of age, I, I grew up in a in, in a house that was haunted. I didn't know that as a child. Uh, right. My parents kept kept that that hidden from us, but I had my experiences in the house, and uh, and then years later. You know, I, I confided in my parents and, uh, and I said that uh, this is what happened. And they told me then that the house had a reputation for mm -hmm. being. And I have to say, moving on from that particular property, I have no recollection of having bad experiences. In fact, I have nothing but, but happy memories for that house. But for years following that, for, for at least 20 years, I've been plagued by, by terrifying dreams of that house, of knowing that there was something in the house that I had come across before um, and I needed to warn these new people who were moving in. Mm -hmm. But 
but th this this progressed on further and further and further until the house was actually knocked down um, oh. and was was destroyed, um, and everything stopped. The dream stopped after that. Wow! Um, it, it, was, it was odd. It was an odd one that I couldn't explain. You know, uh, as to what what was what was happening there. What was the connection? Um, but uh, yeah, and 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 of course, you know, growing up. I had that natural curiosity and, and my father, of course, I, I have to blame him for some of this mm -hmm. uh, because he set me down in front of the TV um, to watch Doctor Who and, uh, and, and Star Trek. And, and of course that just added to my enthusiasm. Um, right. I, I suppose in a way it was to get me to shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th those, those were the things that they were the cornerstones really that, that got me onto the road Um and and from then I had my own experiences within many of the different fields, um, and uh, and that led me on to where I am today, of course. So, did um, your family have any of those same experiences? Yes, um, they growing up in that in that house initially. Yes, my it was my mum who had the experiences, um, which again, you know, I, I didn't know until until years later. I, I was it was I was in my teens before. Uh, my mom uh, told us what was going on. Wow. Yeah. Um, I I can't even imagine. Um, my family did not experience it except for me, but so I can relate to that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> things are different. I'm sure growing up in, in Ireland and, you know, some different things. And I just really, I've always been fascinated with, you know, the whole, the Irish with the folklore and, and all that, and even the, like the castles and all mm -hmm. that, it's, it's just, it's just fascinating. So having you here telling me about all this is, is, is just awesome. So, um, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of just touch base a little bit about, um, um, can you talk a little bit about how um, the, the group GHI came across your purview? <laughs> um well of, of course people people know that they, they got to see me first off on uh, gh when right. they came to ireland yeah and we investigated at lep castle of course and i, I can remember per wheezy um when he had set everything up and we were about to investigate and before he hit the switch i said now you have got everything set for 240 volts haven't you Yes, Paul. Yes, and I said, "You're sure?" Yes, yeah. and he hit the the socket, and all of the the fuses in the castle blew. Oh. <laughs> and I looked at him with this wild gaze and said, "Now you're in its territory." <laughs> <laughs> the one ten is not very compatible with two hundred and forty volts. Right, um, right, right. But uh, yeah, so e everyone, of course, knows that that uh, it was a, a GH where they got to see me first off, and subsequently from then, um, I know that that they were they were looking for people um, for the GHI, um, and uh, and they, they were asking for people to send in videos and things like that, but i didn't i didn't go through that particular vetting process or anything they they just phoned me up and said we're we're doing a show an international show um mm -hmm. and would i would i consider going looking for the paranormal around the planet 
where like give it all of yeah. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> want to give that up <laughs> <laughs> um, right. and that was that and off we went wow that that's awesome yeah um there there's some things about you know i've watched God, it's, it's been a while now um but i mean you can find all of ghi's uh, videos on youtube mm -hmm. and you know, I kind of revisited some and watched a couple. And the one that um, there was one uh, Amsterdam was good. Um, but there was one where you guys were were looking for Hitler. Oh yes, was that in, was that in uh, Argentina or was it? Yeah, uh, you no, know, that was in Argentina. Right. Yeah, and that that it's that was just like wow. You know, I mean, it was just, was there something about that one that, that kind of stu stood out? Well, believe it or not, um, my, one of my personal favorites in regards, um, um, <laughs> the Fuhrer, um, was, was in Poland, actually, mm -hmm. um, because we, we got very, very little in Argentina, but when we went to Wolfshanza, uh, the, the team had to stay in this um, bunker which had been converted. It was a, a former SS bunker. Um, so we had to stay in the bunker um, in, in these bunk rooms. And uh, and then we went from there into the investigative site. And it was a, a mass uh, a fortress um, um, of, 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 of concrete fortresses across this huge amount of acreage. Uh, but I usually, and, and this is how I tend to grade a place because I, I'm, I, I usually was, was at that time, I, I practiced a lot of night photography. And, and when we're not filming, I would tend to throw the camera over my shoulder along with a tripod and, and walk off into the darkness and, and I would take my shots. I got through the gates of Wolf Shanza and about 10 steps in and I went, oh no. <laughs> I, and I turned and went back again, and I never got night shots of Wolfshanza alone. Let's say um, that place was a, was alive, uh, and uh, and certainly had that that ambiance of having activity. And that place was the first place in 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 my experience that we had ever come close to Hitler. Really, and, and but the reasons and 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 and. And the way that we that we went around to, to to reach that, I had to keep with myself. I was aware that that our thoughts can be picked up. Now, of course, um, a, a lot of my work now has continued on as to how that happens and things like that. But I had to keep what my plan in locked in in my head. I couldn't I couldn't explain to the crew. I couldn't explain to the team members what I was doing. I just told them bring this bring that and bring this and and the crew i told the crew where to stand and be ready that that's that's all they knew going into this mm -hmm. and we ended up in in hitler's bunker now hitler um was he, he he was a very very bad sleeper and most times he was up all night and he would listen to music and and he would he would speak to people he would invite people in in and, and do all this stuff but it was here that at at that particular time that we hit the music and mm -hmm. within seconds this place changed and uh, i can remember paul bradford who was standing to my right he heard the footsteps behind suddenly walk 
behind. We knew we were being circled. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, there was a whole, there was a heap of activity started coming forward through, through this. And uh, when it came to an end, uh, I can remember one of, of the of the crew coming to me, the, uh, the camera crew, and they said, we've been through many of this, many of these cases, but that was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, it was, honestly, it was the closest that I have ever come to Hitler. And, uh, do you do you think like that was because this place was so important to him? I mean, this was pretty much his headquarters during the war, right? And it, it was, yes, it was it was part of his Eastern Front, yeah. Um, and that that you know, the, the Valkyrie happened there. That's where they yeah. tried to blow him up. Um, so uh, so you know, it, it, he had been there many times. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, one of his train lines, which is still there. Um, which which his uh, iron horse rode in on. Um, he uh, he often used that line all the time to get back and forward uh, back to Berlin. Oh wow, wow, that's yeah. I was kind of curious about that that one with Hitler, just because um, there, there had to be the emotions and the energy and all that surrounding um, like those locations that they just I don't it, it's it's still there. It has to be, right? You know? I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, um, now kind of get a little bit off the train here. Um, have you ever researched any of his uh, occult interests? Um, the, the Nazis? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have yes, been. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, uh, I studied that pretty extensively in college. Um, you know, while we're on the topic of Hitler, like that was, I've taken many courses uh, with my history degree, uh, specifically about Hitler and the Third Reich uh, and yeah. Germany during World War II. So I know that there's very uh, different interests, specifically in what they were doing and uh, some of the occult practices where they were going to ends of the earth to find these, you know, mythical occult objects. Mm -hmm. You know, we've heard of, you know, the uh, what was the Indiana Jones movie? What were they looking for? The oh, um, the Holy Grail. Yeah. The Holy Grail. So yeah, I mean, he put a lot of interest and in, in thought into what they were looking for with that. Well, the Spirit of Destiny was one of his. One yeah, of his, right? one of his biggest ones, of course. You know, um, and the the problem the problem with with the likes of of, of that particular um, type of memorabilia is is that uh, if you try and keep it for yourself, it tends to end up in a bad way, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and certainly it did. Uh, unfortunately for him, um, and uh, that's that's the way it worked out for him. But in regards in regards to to what they were doing, yes, there were a lot of suggestions that they were that they were into the cult and everything else. Hitler himself, though, wasn't that interested in the occult per se. Um, there were his minions below him. There were certain um, avenues of that 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 were that were um, very very. Um, um, well educated within those specific areas but whenever you come to a point where you have to change history to suit um what, mm -hmm. what you're looking for you know it, it becomes very murky the paperwork um and, and this is what what i tended to look for a lot was the paperwork do we have any paperwork that can substantiate the claims that were made um, um that came out of the, the the back of the war that they were doing this and all the rest and the paperwork i always found was very sparse um, to support that, and, and Josh, I don't know. If coming from your particular um, 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 
um, research project, did you find that the paperwork um, which set out what they were doing in the occult practices, what occult practices they were doing um, and, and what they were hoping to, to attain, was that, did you find any with, within your, your historical, um, 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 I suppose, road of investigative, um, uh, um, that happened? Right. It, it, it did seem like uh, a lot of it was, it was mentioned, but it wasn't really, they didn't dive deep into it because it really felt like they didn't want to be talking about it. Uh, yeah. I specifically asked my professor on numerous occasions about the sphere of destiny uh, or some of the, the, the odd things like the, the bell that they were trying to create for time travel mm -hmm. or uh, mm -hmm. space flight. Um, and, and she kind of just brushed it aside. It, it was really it felt like something that people didn't specifically want to be talking about for whatever reason that may be. But and that, that, I and guess, that, yeah. And that, and that was the thing that, that was something I was finding as well. The paperwork was very sparse on what they were doing. There was a lot of talk that they were doing it. And, and don't get me wrong. There are indicators there within history that they were doing it, but the right. paperwork isn't there. There isn't paperwork there to support it. And that was, that was always a, a real problem for me. Um, now that doesn't mean to say that, that, you know, since the war and even before the war, there were certain levels of industry and everything else that were using aspects of the occult to try and advance their business and and, and everything else that, that goes with it. Like in, in 1968, I, I have a report on file here um, of the Douglas Aeronautics uh, Aeronautical um, um, Company that uh, they were funded to make contact with aliens uh, using a Ouija board oh, okay. to to get ad, ad, um, advancements in engine design. This right. was in 1968. Um, but the paperwork is there. You know, we have the paperwork. I'm able to go down through the paperwork and see what results were they were getting. What red right. flags can we see from the information that they were getting? Um, and what similarities do we see of the communication that they were, that they were using and, and the results to that? Do we see this mimicked throughout history? And yes, we did. Um, so, you know, there are there are aspects of industry and everything else, and and, and and that are involved in in particular esoteric paths to try and to try and uh, gain um, the upper the upper hand, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So, I have a question. I don't know if you've heard of this, uh, Barry, but um, there's a story. And I don't remember where I heard it, but there was a story that there was a place where this this building that supposedly housed something where um, Josh was talking about, where, like um, like a like, like a portal or like a time travel type thing, where this building when the the Allies had showed up and they were expecting to see all these Nazis there that were kind of into this occult, or this, and there was nobody there. It was like they just all disappeared. Does that ring a bell? Yes, I believe that's Poland. Um, and I, I think, Josh, you had mentioned the bell before. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of engineers there as, as well. Now, there is a structure there um, that uh, and it, it looks almost like a, a concrete um, stone hinge right. where, where the rumor was that this bell was attached by chains. And, uh, you know, they, they, 
they were said to have accomplished time travel and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, though, um, further research has shown that that was actually a water tower. Okay. Uh, and uh, and we, we have to take that idea of the bell and set it to one side. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, if we're, if we're getting the, the story, we have, we have to look at the origins of the story um, and also what's left. And, and what's left does not tie up with the story. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, 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 the actual Stonehenge, uh, concrete Stonehenge, was the base of a huge water tower. That was to drive the factory that was next door. Sure. Um, so and uh, and that's that you know it's it's amazing though how stories can develop and uh, and right, change. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah. a, a lot of my interest in that um, probably as a young teenager was derived from the Castle Wolfenstein video games. Oh yes. So oh yeah. You play those yeah. and they they take all this occultism and they they take it way out in the left field. Yeah. Um, but you know that started from that young age of mm-hmm. like what were they doing. And yeah. as you kind of start to do some of that research and you hear these stories and it's, it's, it's just very fascinating, um, you know, what they kind of put their mind and energy and time into. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever you consider that, that they really were starting to make huge advancements in technology when they moved the development um, and, and manufacturing underground. Right. Because that's where you start to tie in with these things, these we call them them. You start to tie into them, um, and they're they're and, and and these them these beings are very keen on sharing information, um, and uh, but it was unfortunate that it came too late. For right. for them, it was unfortunate that it came too late. Um, that uh, that the advancements that they were making just weren't um, in 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 vast enough numbers. Had had um, the Luftwaffe. Uh, had more um, of those of those new jets that they had developed. Um, the RAF um, and 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 the American Air Force wouldn't have stood a chance. Right. Um, the jets would have absolutely annihilated them. Yeah, I think there, there was one uh, story I saw that they pretty much would have gotten as far as Chicago before yeah. before the United States would have been able to do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty scary if we uh, if things hadn't gone the way they did, what Germany would have done to the rest of the world. We would uh, all be speaking German right now. <laughs> pretty much, right? Leader <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, I feel like we're starting to um, turn into a, a History Channel late night uh, yeah. discussion here. Uh, you know, when they have we have all the, the Nazi and the Hitler things, but. Uh, <laughs> No, that but, stuff really, really is fascinating. Especially yeah, and it, and it t- yeah, and it ties into with some of the, the paranormal stuff because, I mean, there was so much death and so much war. I mean, in Europe and all that. I mean, the leftover energy that is there. I mean, you you could probably walk out into some of those war battles, just like Gettysburg here in the U.S. Right. You know, and and come across spirits or come across an energy or. What was that? Or, you know, so there's some probably even Omaha Beach, you know, I mean, you could probably just set up a camera and catch something, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that's that 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 whole energy of all that emotion is is a big is a big deal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and shifting gears again, um, let's talk a little bit 
I love castles. I love castles in Europe. Um, you've investigated quite a few, have you not? Oh, yeah. Well, I live in a country. If you throw a stone, you're likely to hit a castle. Right. <laughs> right. So, what would you say um, would be your scariest or your even your most interesting castle that you investigated that you really want to go back to as much as you? Um, there actually is a, is a castle in the south of Ireland. It's called a, 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 oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. It's just went out of my head. McCroom, uh, McCroom Castle. Uh, it's down in County Cork, and uh, that particular castle um, was the was the setting for uh, for one of the Fitzgeralds uh, to be butchered and eaten oh. in front. Oh. Of the English who were sitting at the table. Oh. The story was, you see, that this particular Fitzgerald was a bit of a rebel, and uh, and I don't have an issue with that. Uh, but uh, it seems that they couldn't catch him, <laughs> so they they organised with uh, with one of the local sheriffs. Uh, they organised a, a peace banquet. Now, I have to I have to wonder to myself. If he couldn't get caught at what he was doing, he was obviously smart. But to fall for a peace banquet, that was just blatantly stupid. We've all seen Game of Thrones, and we know how, what way that ends up. Um, but uh, he ended up going there anyway, um, and uh, and the henchman that had been hired to to find him was at the peace banquet, and he was butchered in front of the, the English, horribly, I might add, and eaten. And it seems that that particular castle, um, and this is a one-off for me, uh, this particular castle is said to be haunted by a vampire. Oh. And uh, and the, the blood runs down the walls and the screams come from the castle. I have been to the castle once uh, because, because, of course, I'm a Fitzgerald. I wanted to see the castle. And uh, I got halfway up the stairs and I said, no, this ain't no, for me. really. <laughs> and, and I actually left. Um, and I, I would like to go back um, and, uh, and and do an investigation there, uh, but be I, I would be cautious. Let's say something something didn't feel right there, and uh, and I would be cautious going there. Now, vampires, of course, uh, you know we we all have an idea of a vampire um, right. from the movies and Bela Lugosi and stuff like that. But right. there was the, the the vampire craze that went through Europe in the seventeenth century. Uh, and uh, that that in itself was a problem, but in Ireland we were having vampires here from the 12th century. Um, so we and we have vampire graves dotted over the island. In fact, yeah. um, I believe it was about seven years ago, uh, maybe 15 miles from where I live now, they uncovered um, a, a grave, and on top of this of this grave, this mass grave, were two vampires, oh, um, wow. and the stones were jammed into their mouths. Um, and they were mm -hmm. buried. One was an older gentleman, and one was a young a young man, maybe in his in his late to early teens. And uh, yeah, so so the uh, the old vampire um, goes back much much uh, much much further in European lore than what uh, than what we initially thought. And wow. what is some of the the thoughts behind that? Because I, I mean, these people weren't actually vampires, but were they being uh, convicted of like witchcraft, or was it something else that was behind this? Well, there's one there's one story um, that I can give you uh, from our mythology in uh, that comes from the north uh, up in uh, Derry, and 
that particular that particular story speaks of an exceptionally cruel chieftain uh, and who wouldn't who, who wouldn't give uh, an inch to his people now they asked for assistance in his removal and uh, they did um, they, they got the, the, the assistance of some people um, that came in and, and helped um, deal with the situation um, and, and, and he, was, he was dealt with and buried. Problem is that he came back the following day wanting his quart of blood. And they then buried him again. Um, they, 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 of course, spoke to the assailants. They came back and finished the job, buried him again. But he came back again. So this was a continual thing that, that they just couldn't kill this chief enough. And he kept wanting the blood. And they ended up, um, there was a druid was involved and they, 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 they went through this particular magical process and they, they killed him again. But this time they buried him face down or head, head first, straight down mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and pulled the ground around him and then put huge rocks on top mm -hmm. as well. And there, there was a few, of course, a druidic spells and things put in place. Now, again, looking at, at, at the mythology of this particular place, we move into the modern age where they needed to clear some of the land, and the land that they wanted um, actually had these huge big boulder stones because they knew that there was a chieftain that was buried underneath. Um, and they went to move the, the boulders, and... It was one of the chains had had snapped. I'm led to believe and took the arm off one of the one of the farm hands. No. Uh, so you know, this idea of, of of magic being used to keep the dead down, um, possibly still lasts to this very day. Um, right. That place was never it was never cleared. The stones still remain there, um, and you know people who come across Ireland can still go and visit the 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 vampire's grave of Abertach. And, uh, and 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 visit it for themselves. But as I say, there are many vampire graves around Ireland, um, and in fact, the, the the one fifteen miles down from here, we didn't even know existed until they started pulling the uh, and, until they started uncovering the, the ground and they found the mass grave. Well, I never knew that. I that's I learned something every day. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's that's incredible in itself. But um, even 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 if, if you know if, if setting aside vampires at that particular mo moment, we have werewolves as well. well uh, we, really? we, we have we have a Conry, the, the townland of a Conry, which means plain of the wolf, and that's where it's believed that that some of the uh, the ancient, very ancient werewolf um, um, stories originated from. And further down the the the, the country um, on the east eastern side. There was a there was a tribe down there that was that was known to change. Now, a lot of people would say, "Well, it's, it's just in the people's heads." You know, they believe that they're they're taking on this this persona of, of of a wild animal. But this was not the case in this particular matter because it was noted and and recorded in history that they physically changed their appearance, physically changed to wolves. Um, and uh, so that that was a, that was an unusual one for me. To, to come across, right, um, I, I believe I believe the tribe were found in the townland of Ossery, um, down on the, uh, the, the the southeast coast, and I, I think that was around the twelfth twelfth century as well. So I think that kind of ties into a little bit of um, 
the uh, mythology and folklore. Mm. Right. Okay. And you have a book on that. Oh, many books. Many. <laughs> so, <laughs> so having researching this information, did you ever, did you like the, the werewolves? I mean, did you come across something that you just really had a hard time getting your head around or was it just? Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, and, and, and I, I have to say that that you know I've, I've been researching the paranormal for for over thirty years, but the experiences that I've had delving into the mythology and folklore outsurpasses anything that that excuse me that we did in in the paranormal. In fact, some of them have been so extreme that I said, if I ever come across that again, we're done. Mm -hmm. um, one one particular case I'll give you, for instance, uh, we we writ we wrote a book uh, called Legend Seekers, and within Legend Seekers, we went to the various different stories of what we uh, went looking for to see if there was any truth behind it, and what what experiences we would have when we went to the site, and what we tended to do within those stories is is give people the GPS coordinates and the people who you need to contact to get permission to go to the site. Right. We wanted we wanted people to get back into the landscape and have their experiences with whatever was on the landscape. But uh, this one case that we investigated, it began back when uh, on, on top of this this hill in the center of Ireland, where people were being ripped out of their beds at night, and uh, there were old stone cottages, but they they couldn't get any sleep. These things would, would would rip the blankets off them and pull them out of the beds. And it got to a stage where the people just abandoned the cottages on top of this, this mountain. Mm -hmm. And when we were told the story initially, um, I tend to go and look at, at the old maps, especially looking for the Neolithic sites. Mm -hmm. Because if there's anything, if there's anything that's, that, that, that lingers at a location, the Neolithic and our ancient Celtic brethren were exceptionally cued in to these spiritual um, invaders on the landscape. And sure enough, on this particular mountain, it was very, very clear because around this location, we find settlements and, and standing stones and everything else, but nothing on the mountain. They stayed clear of the mountain. Hmm. And that spoke volumes that this is, this is much older than what we initially thought. Right. But uh, whenever, whenever we, we went to the site, uh, the owner of the property now, uh, he, had, uh, he had bought it um, and wanted to convert it into, into it because there was a coal vein on it. So he, he wanted to draw the coal from the site and open a mine. And that's whenever the problems really started for him anyhow. Uh, they built uh, these sheds on site. They cleared some of the land and they built offices on the other side of the yard. The moment that, that's, that, that that was done, that's whenever all hell broke loose. And I'll give you an instance. One guy was in the workshop um, opposite the offices and he was using a, a flat table saw to cut some timber. And as he was working away, suddenly he was clubbed in the back of the head. He fell forward and his fingers off with the saw. Oh wow! Um, and this this body, th th this person was seen walking from the tool shed across into the offices. Now they never saw his face; they just saw the, the back of of the person. They knew it was a person, and they would give chase into the offices, and this this being was gone, never any <clears> sign. <throat> but they ended up 
um, because so many things was happening, new machinery was being brought to the site and the, uh, the machinery failed to start or, or operate whenever it was on site. They take it off site and it works again. So there was something on the site stopping them from, from digging further into the mountain. And uh, they ended up, one of the drivers for, for the mine stayed at the site and above the offices, he had his own, his own space. And he was, a, he was from Italy. And he brought in a large amounts of, of religious iconography uh, because there was already a reputation, of course, you know, with, with, with the, uh, the, the, the hilltop at that stage. And uh, he was happy enough. But when he left to go to town, by the time he got back, all of the religious icons were destroyed. The locks were the locks were never opened, and the doors were fine, but the, the, they were smashed to a point where they were actually pulverized into powder. And they brought the church in, and the church done several exorcisms of the site, and it got to the, I think it was the third or fourth stage, and they said, "Look, we have come across something like this in South Africa, and." Uh, there's nothing we can do here. Just leave the place. Right, right. Every time that they brought in the church, the activity would ramp up. And it was building and building and building. And our friend, the the Italian, said he was, he was having none of it. And he started bringing in German shepherds, big German, burly German shepherds, right. uh, to, to manage the site. This thing murdered four dogs. Oh, my gosh. Um, and uh, absolutely destroyed the animals. And this is something we see across the board, you know, in various other parts of the world as well. They attack the animals first because the animals have a, have a superb sensory ability to detect them before we do. Mm -hmm. So I ended up on site, uh, and uh, and I brought my dog with me, um, and he was a he was he was bigger than a German Shepherd. Yeah, and that night we had our encounter with something on that hilltop that did not want us there. And and it, it made itself known, but it made itself known through the dog. The dog was the first one to pick him up because I didn't know that he was there. And uh, and it was it was quite unusual to see this this huge animal just sit and, and stare into darkness and just growl and mm -hmm. constantly. And that was not his behavior. Um, and uh, and also the vehicle that I had brought up, um, I parked it on the path that this particular person walked. And whenever we went back to the car, all the electric windows were down. Um, something I would never have done. So again, we were starting to see this this electronic um, um, uh, situation develop with with the with the car as well. And uh, there were a few other things that happened, but the what we didn't do is we didn't report this particular story um, and we didn't want to share the GPS coordinates, not because we wanted to keep it for ourselves. It was because we wanted to keep people safe. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we, we didn't want to recommend, look, of all the other places, go and see them, do not go here. Um, and uh, it was after several weeks after we had finished that particular story that I came across another mine, an open mine, in Galway, where once they had opened it, people were being thrown to the ground oh. by by these beings, and machinery was being destroyed. Uh, but again, these are things that no one was talking about. 
Um, and from a modern sense, I, I found it infuriating because you know our, our books, our our, our our bookstores are filled with with stories of myth and legend from 500 years ago. It never stopped. It still continues today right. in our landscape. We have experiences, and but we're not to each other anymore. And and that I, I find I find is is it really annoys me deeply. But um, on on the on the bright side of that, I'm now starting a new book which is now collecting those stories from the modern sense, um, from UFOs, from, from, from encounters with, with, uh, with fairies and banshee and, and everything else, to see what's happening on the island today. Mm -hmm. And to hold that th those bank of stories for the next generation. Um, and I, I think that that's a very important thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Wow. wow. That's, that's Wow, I mean, I I didn't even realize. I mean, like I said, I'm learning something every day. So, um, yeah, it sounds like that. I mean, just kind of envisioning that, like that mountaintop is is just like I talk. I go back to the energy, you know, and yeah. to actually have the dogs and everybody, you know. I mean, just the stories alone. Now, you kind of said that that isn't that's. There's other places you think that that's at. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yes, um, okay. we, we do. Even you know, we we see something very very similar at uh, at Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. I was there in 20, 2019, October twenty nineteen, and uh, you know they they were using dogs there a lot. Um, they weren't pet dogs; they were they they were trigger trigger animals, um, and uh, the dogs themselves were picking up on the activity before we were, and. Mm -hmm. um, and the, pr the problem with that is because of what we're eating is having an effect on our sensory capabilities. Mm. And, uh, and, and that in itself really is a reflection on who we are as a species and how that can affect us when we enter a haunted property. And mm -hmm. um, if we, for instance, I'll, I'll give you a, a background to this. Um, I, I was trying to understand this idea of of when we walk into a property um and uh, it's maybe just four white walls we get this sense of of yes you know th this is a positive it feels really great or on the other hand we could say no i don't like this so what is that what what was that even though visually there's nothing stimulating about it, what is it that we're picking up on that uh, that that has us saying yes or no, possibly to buying a place or, or renting or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was following some some laboratory tests of biofeedback that was going on, and the computer itself was linked to to uh, multiple subjects, and the computer would select random photographs and display them on an image. Of say kitty cats or, or, or children laughing or, or, or little puppies and everything that we liked reduced our skin resistance the electrical sensitivity of the skin we were we were we were confident in what we were seeing we liked what we were seeing so our resistance lowered now over the period of time the computer randomly selected a very negative image of a horrific car accident and when we saw that our skin resistance immediately shot up so that's our that's our fight or flight kicking in, mm -hmm. um, right. and the adrenaline goes up in the back of the, the, the neck and everything else. And um, the more that it goes on, but what was interesting in in the experiments 
is that milliseconds before the photograph, the negative photograph was shown, the body was starting to react. Mm. It was already rising the skin resistance before the photograph was actually shown by the computer, showing that we had something that was able to detect what was about to happen. What is that? And that, I believe, was, was vocalizing itself through the immune system, through the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that in itself helps us. The fight or flight is, is, is a very useful and necessary part of our gift of discernment. So, for instance, if, if a spirit appears to you as a, as a, as a, a, a duck or a donkey or a, or, or a, or a little child um, or Granny Graybird sitting on, on, on a rocking chair, whatever the case may be, if your skin resistance rises and you get the hair in the back of your neck going up, that's the negative take. Irrelevant of whatever image it comes across as, if you react to that, in a negative way, that is your body telling you, get the hell ready to move. Right. <laughs> this is not what it says it is. And, you know, Barry, on that quick, um, Jay and I had a situation where we were going to uh, do an investigation at a house, uh, a private residence that somebody contacted me about. And um, it was in the middle of December, this past December. And this, it was the night before there was a huge snowstorm. I was having terrible nightmares about this place. Mm. And in the morning, Jay calls me and says, uh, I, I, there's something wrong here. We need to be have that fight or flight response mm -hmm. if there's something that's going to happen. And I'm like, okay, let's just still go and let's figure that out. And as I'm getting in the car and he calls me again, he's like, we we are not meant to go to this place. And then that entire morning, I had had that the hair on the back of your neck, that skin, you know, you're just talking about it right now. I'm having that response because mm -hmm. yeah. I truly, I truly felt that there was things that were telling us you do not need to be here. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing, you know, um, the, the new, the new book that I released at the beginning of the month, uh, the deceptions of gods and men taps into this particular aspect. And what, what, what I'm proposing is that, in today's society, we we use this aspect of a soul and a spirit. Th those ter that terminology is very interchangeable um, within a modern sense. But that was never the case. The spirit at point of death was gone, but what we were left with was the soul, or if you like, the shadow, um, was was left with the body for uh, several days or several weeks before it finally broke free. But all psychic abilities, this is the hypothesis that I put through in the book, all psychic abilities is an aspect and a signature of the soul. Because the soul's responsibility is to keep this meat suit alive as long as possible so that the spirit can experience. Right. right. Oh, um, with this idea of, of, of the hair standing on the back of your neck and everything else before you go, this is your shadow telling you through the body. The body is 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 the is the is, I suppose is the blackboard of 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 the, the soul. It's its ability to tell you be aware there are other shadows there. Mm -hmm. And so those those are the dangers that it will present to you. Um, and it's strange that you should say that because 
Usually we tend to find this type of response from people who have had extreme encounters before that possibly they may not remember within their childhood. Right. They've had encounters of paranormal nature within their childhood. And what tends to happen is that the soul steps up to the, to, to the board um, and, and increases its, its capabilities to make sure that you do not end up in the same situation again. I've had that experience. I, 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 yeah, yeah, I've been pulled out of a bed before. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So and I, I was, uh, I had a growling and yeah. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But um, that was the whole time. The only time in my life where I, I was like, I wanted my mother. Yeah. You know. I mean, I was, I was in my twenties, but, uh -huh. but still. So that heightening that, you know, is. That makes total sense, you know. No, there is, there is a way, of course, that that can be switched off, and this, yeah. is, this is where it brings us back into the modern age. Uh, and we look at at what we're eating and things like that. Refined sugar can shut off your fight or flight. In other words, if we meet in a fast food restaurant before we go to an investigation, and you drink um, some of the the soda. Um, um, that's possibly got refined sugar in it, you're blinding your body's response. So you're going into this situation now blind. Mm -hmm. And that's an important factor co to consider. And when we look at this aspect um, of how much refined sugar we're we're consuming now as, as a global planet, it's skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. and, and that in itself has served to detach us from those signals coming from our instinct, from our soul. Um, and, and that that is, is, a, is a problem. And when we consider, for instance, children, uh, children that uh, we're, we're told are the most sensitive um, with spiritual aspects and everything else, there is actually two good reasons for this. Um, number one is that there is a filter that thickens over the eye between the ages of seven and 13 which narrows the spectral res, uh, response uh, to the to the uh, to the ultraviolet and infrared so as an adult we can for the most part uh, as an adult we can no longer see what we saw as a child as children mm -hmm. not only that between the ages of 2 and 6 the child the, the predominant brain rhythm is theta theta is what we need to be in to have a psychic experience Hmm. Wow. So those are the two the, the two things that children certainly would possess. And isn't it interesting that when we look at these liminal areas within the calendars, that that times whenever the doorways between our world and theirs is, is is thin and they can come back and forward. What do we do with our children today? We feed them full of candy. <laughs> <laughs> we blind them. Right. right. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that's, uh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Gosh. Um, we had quite a few people uh, viewing. Um, let me see. Uh, somebody had a question. Now, have you ever been to Wisconsin, Barry? I, I can't remember. I, I don't think I have. No. Okay. Somebody had a question about um, something in Wisconsin. Um uh, since you haven't been there, um, we had it's a, a, it's, a, it's, a, 
brain, a creature brain very similar yeah. to a werewolf. Right. It's it's right. a local a local legend of um, something that like a dog like creature that would mm. maybe call mm -hmm. it something like a werewolf. Right, and that's probably ten minutes to fifteen minutes from my house. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, um, I grew when I was in high school. Uh, people talked about it, so it's been around for a while. But um, you know, speaking about your your last book, um, what else in there that you wanted to focus focus on? that you, you felt that that would really be good for this book, the last book that you wrote? Is there something in there that you, you I got to put that in there. It's got to be, you know, I just something that really kind of just spoke to you. Yeah. Um, in, in regards a lot of the phenomena, we tended to see uh, there were, there were areas around the planet that tended to, to have, more likelihood of having paranormal and high strangeness um, okay. within those areas. Now, we use satellite data to target these areas, both north and south of the hemisphere. Um, so we're able to see going into a location or going into a country, we can say, okay, well, we, we want to select here, and this is why. Okay. And when you tend to have positive magnetic anomalies, and we're not talking, we're not talking huge spikes, in, in the field, we're, we're not. There's, there's subtle changes in geomagnetics. Uh, when we find those areas, that's where we tend to find the likes of UFO activity, abductions, mutilations, um, and uh, poltergeist activity. And all of, all of that stuff tends to incorporate itself in. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other side of things, in, in fact, before I, I switch to the other side, Skinwalker Ranch, uh, Brown Mountain Lights in, in Virginia, um, um, Histalin Valley in, in, in Norway, all these major areas that, that have high strange paranormal activity tend to be in positive magnetic anomalies. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's what we tend to see. Now, there was the other side of, of the EM scale, which is the, the negative magnetic anomalies and and that was that was a strange one at, at the time because that's where we started to see that uh, there was an odd attraction to to this particular uh, phenomena that was happening there um initially whenever i whenever i stumbled on it i, I set it to the side and said i'll come back to that later uh, because 75 percent of the world's top suicide locations appear in negative magnetic anomalies Hmm. Now that's not by chance. That's odd. Why would that happen? Right. What, what is in these places that is attracting people to end their lives there? What's mm -hmm. what's drawing these people in? And uh, I ended up going back to it and, and started analyzing it more and, and seeing that a lot of our ancestral uh, places of sacrifice also appeared in negative magnetic anomalies. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm going back to 14,000 BC, uh, for instance, in, in, in that particular aspect, and looking at Gobegli Tepe uh, as one example in Turkey. And, and that place was known for headhunting and is also strongly in a negative magnetic anomaly. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I started looking at that then, and, and then also seeing this thread of, of phenomena that, that weaves its way through a lot of the fringe research fields. And we started to see that, that these were key areas 
that that historically our elite, our world, our, our leaders, our, our uh, priestly class were going to commune with these things beyond the veil. Hmm. In the Greek times, they were called the word. So they were going to receive the word from these things, these them, if you like. Uh, and uh, and for that, they, they were giving us the rules and regulations of how we should be governed, which I, I highly took offense of. But whenever whenever we, we look at, at the mask that this phenomena that was coming through the veil interacts with us, that became, that was very, very interesting for me from, from my standpoint, because although you try and track the mask, you get nowhere. But if you track the phenomena, you get all the way back to Babylon. And that's what we did within the book. We pushed oh, wow. the boundary back. And when you consider UFOs, for instance, um, the, the, the real UFOs, not the ones that we make, um, the real UFOs, you, you will have phenomena such as missing time, mischievous natures, abduction, mutilation, um, and a conscious connection, of course, is also in there, um, and, and high levels of deception. We also find that is also um, the, the main factors when dealing with earth spirits or what we would call over here the fairy. You also find in the Middle East where we, where we look at the jinn. You'll also find out in the old mm -hmm. gods. It's the same phenomena, different mask. Mm -hmm. Right. What we find pushing back through through through, through that. Um, and uh, but I, I, I see that our time is is running short. But uh, the what we write about and what we suspect the phenomena is um, certainly is not what we are led to believe it is. It is very, very different indeed and, and has a darker nature that, that reflects us more so than anything else. And But that, that's something we talk about in the book, The Deceptions of Gods and Men, which is available on Amazon. Mm. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'll be definitely picking that book up because... <clears throat> Yeah, everything that you've said here today is, you know, I've, I've, I've learned so much. And um, the one thing I wanted, because we're kind of, we're getting close on time, but I, I really wanted to ask you, with your experience in the paranormal field and all the other things, like the, the books and being an author and all that, what advice could you give some of these younger kids that are coming into the paranormal field today that, that really don't have a clue. <laughs> okay. Um, there are two things. There are two things that I will recommend. When you lift a voice recorder, simple thing as a voice recorder, and you say, is there anyone there? You have intent and you have opened the doorway. Remember when you finish, close the door. Mm. That is an imperative thing. And it doesn't matter what you're using whether it be a Ouija board, whether it be um, a, 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 a device with bells and whistles on it, or whether it be a voice recorder, your intent is being used to open the door. That is an esoteric path. It is an occult practice. We have to recognize it for what it is. You have opened the door. Make sure and close it with the same idea. So um, right. like, what would be a good example of closing the door? Is that just saying the session is done? Yes. I'm no longer welcome to talk to you. It's just something That's like that. It, it's, it's all about intent. Right. Right. Um, oh, yeah. The, the intent to close the door. That that We have to do that. We've arrived at a situation today which which has 
pushed us beyond um and, uh, and 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 that in itself we have to be very very careful of and secondly test what is coming through do not take it on face value work it really scrutinize it and and because let's face it if something is coming through with a positive intent it will not mind questions mm-hmm Mm-hmm. The ones that don't want questions and the ones that disappear the moment that they that you become suspicious that will that will tell you loads there's huge amounts to, of deception there and um, mm-hmm. if they're there on a positive on a positive note they will not mind the questions test the spirit that is exceptionally important we don't do that enough today oh yeah no i would agree i mean I, some of the things that i've seen as of late um it, it's uh, like in paranormal investigation has become a thrill and and that's that's not what that's not what it is you know Mm -hmm. if you're gathering information then gather the information yes what you what you do with that information is important you know i mean Mm -hmm. either you're you're not just holding it on and saying well look what i got and to show everybody you're you know there's a reason why you're doing it what is that Mm -hmm. reason and you talked about intent and intent is everything you know, when you go up to a, a house that you that is supposedly haunted, your intent better be as good as, you know, as it can be. You know, what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go in there thinking that you're going to irritate or, you know, piss off a spirit or do whatever. You know, you're going to get that back. Right. Right. You know, so, yeah. So intent, everybody or anybody that's listening, intent is key. And yes. Barry even said it. So. So, yeah. Um let's talk talk a little bit real quick about your books now um where can we find all your books um if they pump over to uh, charmstealer.com and my website they'll find links to the books there and the the most recent one uh of course which is uh, the deceptions of gods and men uh, is available on amazon and banshee the third the third edition will be available also on amazon in hardback um, okay. and uh, that will be available at the end of the month. Okay. Um, nice. do you ha- okay, go ahead, Brian, Josh. No, I was just saying, yeah, uh, I'm looking up on Amazon right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I started list aud- uh, the Audible on uh, Banshee, and, you know, I'm already taken in, so... Yeah. Well, uh, I know that the uh, the Deception of Gods and Men is going to be available in audiobook as well. Uh, oh, awesome. I'm expecting that within the next week. Oh, Yeah definitely going to be getting that one <laughs> so so everybody i want to say thank you and i want to thank everybody who tuned in we had a lot of viewers that tuned into this and i want to thank my co-host i want to thank my guest barry fitzgerald thank you so much for spending time with us this thank has you. been a, a very uh great pleasure um finally getting to meet you and you know uh, hopefully we can do this again absolutely yeah. absolutely well, i learned a lot today i appreciate it barry Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. So having said that, I want to thank everybody again, and we will see you next time on this platform. Later.